back to the Archangeli podcast. Apologies for the delay in between episodes. I was going to do another episode on China, but then I realised I'd just done an episode on China, so I decided not to, and then I didn't. I wasn't too sure about what to do, so that's why there's a delay. But due to current events, I've come up with a new idea, and I'm going to capitalise on the crisis in Lebanon so people will listen to what I have to say. Maybe that's unethical, and I just don't care, to be honest. So, um, I'm going to be talking about Lebanon. I don't really want to talk about the explosion which happened in Le- in Beirut, which is the capital of Lebanon, but I will maybe touch on that, but I'm actually going to talk more about the history of Lebanon and the current instability which is going on. It's quite complicated and a lot of people seem to treat Lebanon as some backwater shithole when really it's quite a good place but it's just been very unlucky you could say. Now this podcast I am going to be somewhat biased it's got a lot of Israel in it a lot of Palestine and it's just a mm, I'm gonna struggle to be a very objective person so I'm gonna do my best I'll probably make some snide remarks about terrorist organizations and stuff but I'm try and do my best but it will be biased and just ignore that or don't listen to it or something but I'm just going to disclaim it now before you all get your knickers in a twist about how oh he's he's an Israel shield listen just I'm sorry all right so yeah Lebanon is not the third world shithole a lot of people on social media seem to think it is, especially with how they've been posting about it with the explosion. It's got a human development index score of 0.73, which is high. And it's got a GDP per capita of around $15,000. And mind you, this is 10 years of instability and economic crisis, and it's still like doing all right. So pretty good. Um, so the whole history of Lebanon it's a bit chaotic and as many chaotic things do it all starts with French incompetence so before World War Two, uh, since after World War One, when the Ottoman Empire got dissolved it was a French mandate and this remained the case up until the fall of France and the establishment of a German collaborating Vichy government and they said you know what Lebanon you can be a bit more autonomous maybe even independent and so they said alright but then Charles Charles de Gaulle um, said no we can't be having that the Germans might take it over so he marched his free French army up into um, Lebanon and he said, yeah, you, you're free now, you can be independent. And so, the this was in 1943, and so the newly independent Lebanese government said, 
we're revoking the French mandate. We are now independent, as Charles de Gaulle said, who is the only representative of the free French government movement said. And so Charles de Gaulle put them in jail um, because they did what he said they could. And everyone got angry about it, so they let them out. They let them out. But that's the start of the the story. So, the new Lebanese government were obviously quite inexperienced, but they did their best to make a functioning country, and so they decided to make an a national pact, which is unwritten from nineteen forty three, and because Lebanon is such a diverse ethnic and religious mixing pot uh, it requires that the president is a Maronite Christian the speaker of the parliament is a Shiite Muslim the prime minister must be a Sunni Muslim and the deputy speaker of parliament and the deputy prime minister must be a Greek Orthodox Christian so it's a little bit of a mess Um, and people argue that this system allows groups to keep hold of power regardless of what's popular. So, the history since independence has been marked by alternating periods of stability and then turmoil, uh, which has been kind of interspersed by Beirut and Paris of the Middle East uh, being the cause of any prosperity in Lebanon because it's kind of the regional centre of finance and trade. The fledgling state putted along until 1948, seemed to be doing well. All the French troops had left since 1946, and it was doing pretty decently. Um, And then the Arabs decided to attack Israel. And now this is controversial, so I won't talk about it now. Maybe in a future episode, but long story short, they got their ass kicked, and... Lots of Palestinian refugees from Israel came to Lebanon. And after the war, they tried to go back. And Israel said, no, you cannot come back here. They don't want them. So Lebanon had to keep them. Now, this kind of led to the Muslim population becoming a lot more numerous in Lebanon. Before, it was kind of a six to five ratio. And that was reflected in the parliament. Always the representation was six to five Christian to Muslim seats in the parliament. And this didn't reflect the demographics anymore because lots of Christians left to Europe and America. And the Muslims had a higher birth rate. So it kind of become more six to five Muslim to Christian but it was still represented unequally. And so Lebanon continued for the next eight years with rising instability, but it was still doing well until 1956 when the Suez crisis occurred and the Muslim population was angry that the Christian president, Camille Shamoun, wouldn't cut diplomatic relationships with Britain and France, who were kind of the instigators in the Suez crisis. Actually, Egypt was the instigator, but Britain and France got involved. Anyway, that's a 
digression. But they got angry, and tensions rose even further. But nothing happened yet until 1958, when Pan-Arabism, which is maybe another topic I'd do, caused by Egypt and Syria uniting into the United Arab Republic, became a thing. And Lebanese Muslims wanted to become part of this, and they started an uprising. And Shamoon, he wanted some assistance, and so 5,000 US Marines came in, saved the day, as maybe a little bit biased. They came in and intervened and prevented the Muslims taking power. And so that seemed to be that for now. They went back home, and a new government was formed, led by a former popular general, and seemed like everything was going well again and so lebanon in the 1960s enjoyed a golden age you could say beirut its capital became known as paris of the middle east such was its culture and tourist attraction and it was doing very well it was propped up by the oil rich arab gulf states and it was doing very, very well. But then, more Palestinian refugees arrived after the 1967 Arab-Israeli war. And after the Jordanian civil war, even more came. And they regrouped in Lebanon. And they were led by the Palestine Liberation Organization. And... They wanted to use Lebanon as kind of a base, and because of the divided government, neither of them could kick them out or really support them, so they just kind of stayed there. This led to numerous terrorist attacks in Israel by the PLO, including airline hijacking, bus hijacking, shootings, bombs, all of it. So Israel responded in kind, and it kind of caused a tit-for-tat deal going on. Lebanon was split under Christian and Muslim lines, and the Christian side attempted to fight the PLO, while the Muslim didn't really do anything. So Al Nasser, the Egyptian president, said... Let's make a deal. Let the PLO have access to Israel and authority over the Palestinian refugee camps. And you can just do whatever you want in the rest of it. And this kind of works. And it allowed Palestinian terrorist attacks to continue on Israel without Lebanon really getting much flat. So it seemed to be doing well. But people were angry, the Christians especially, were angry about excessive concessions to the Palestinians who were just kind of taken over the north of the country which didn't seem fair to them at least um, and so a man called Suleiman Frangier in 1970 was elected president very narrowly and um, he was accused of killing hundreds of people, including other Maronites, and he, 
invited the Syrians into Lebanon in 1976. A civil war erupted in 1975 as a result of the constitutionally guaranteed Christian rule and just general hatred along religious and ethnic lines. And so the leadership wanted Syria to come in and save them, the Christian leadership that is, to help stop the Muslims. And there's a lot of political tension and it did erupt into a full-scale war. So the Syrians came in and because the Palestinians were still mucking about up north, Israel decided to come in. And they tried to kind of establish a security belt. And there's this map, if you look it up, um, this war went on for a very long time and they just kind of cordoned Lebanon up for its, among themselves. Um, so Israeli forces withdrew by 1978 and they kind of kept on fighting. So the war raged on until 1989 when the Taif Agreement was signed, which kind of in general said, you know what, equal between Christians and Muslims. So it's equal now, not six to five. So that seems good, but all it's really done since then is made a very inefficient government because no one can get anything done because it's 50-50. The Muslim militias were dissolved, apart from Hezbollah, which is essentially a terrorist organisation which owns parliament, parliamentary seats in, a, in Lebanon. It's a little bit scary, but they're still around and things seem to be better again. The TAIF or TAIF agreement also said Hezbollah is meant to disband and give up its weapons, but it hasn't. And it also said the Syrians should leave and um, the Israelis had already left. So that's why Hezbollah was allowed to kind of stick around for a bit longer because it had fought against the evil Israelis who were occupying them, just as the Syrians had, by the way. Um, I'm trying to be unbiased, but I can't. <laughs> I'm really sorry, but yeah, I, I'm very biased towards Israel. Um, and so things had done better, and Syria had left, Israel had left, and things were doing better by the late nineties and early two thousands. Um, but then the latest prime minister was assassinated in a car bomb explosion and Syria was blamed and it's another match to the cinder boxes is Lebanon and um, match to the powder keg that is Lebanon uh, so the UN and the most useful organization in the world called for an investigation into the assassination and kind of nothing really happened then in 2006 Hezbollah started up again and killed Israelis Lebanese all of them because um, Israel retaliated obviously so things still a bit of a mess but 
looked a little bit better. There were protests against pro-Western, pro-Arab, all of this stuff. Um, and the opposition refused to vote for presidents and they all hated each other and wouldn't do anything. So it was a mess, but wasn't on fire yet. It was maybe smoking, getting a little bit warm. Lebanon was an engine and it would be chugging along. Wouldn't wouldn't be going fast. But um then a Syrian civil war happened and it kind of threatened to spill over into Lebanon and ISIS showed up threatened to go into Lebanon as well. Um and violent crash clashes between different Muslim groups, Muslims and Christians Palestinians, everyone and their nan seem to be getting involved in Lebanon and fighting and killing each other. Um, so there's also like 1.5 million Syrian refugees in Lebanon, which has really messed up the economy. It was going at like a 10% year on year growth rate, even through all that 2006 stability. And then since the Syrian civil war, it's gone down to like 1%. And now it's not even growing, it's just completely stagnant. Um, so it was completely stagnant and since the war in Syria is kind of gearing down a little bit, at least ISIS is gone, so this government was like, you know what, let's try and fix the economy. So they said, let's make some taxes and gasoline or petrol, tobacco, WhatsApp, we're going to tax that if you do an online phone call and that started some protests and then they were kind of made to be like oh um this government doesn't work let's not just protest the taxes let's protest literally everything so they did and the prime minister resigned and no one else has but there's new prime ministers there's protests there's civil disobedience and things just don't seem to be going very well. Um, Lebanon, in fact, is the first country in Middle East and North Africa to see its inflation rate exceed 50% for 30 consecutive days. Pretty crazy, right? Um, it's suffering a really big economic crisis and doesn't really seem to be any end in sight, to be honest. And so many commentators seem to think that another civil war is on the horizon. Hariri, who was the prime minister before he resigned, um, kind of said, let's make, let's make a deal, protesters. But there's no real organised leader of the protest. The demands are so wide-ranging and sweeping that there's no chance of a compromise. So it seems that maybe there will be another civil war. And then compound this with a huge explosion occurring in Beirut, which is absolutely essential for Lebanon as a country. It imports 80% of its food, I'm pretty sure, um, in through Beirut, um, which is now being completely destroyed, or at least support has been by the explosion. There's a bit of a problem. Um, so this may cause even more instability and make a civil war even more likely so yeah it's not very good and 
the explosion seems to have been caused by fertilizer just left in a warehouse for seven years or so in a completely unsuitable warehouse as well which just shows government's not really doing a great job um so it's completely preventable but alas it happens and going to do their best but doesn't seem to be in a great spot so in conclusion Lebanon has the potential to be a very nice place but the fact that they all hate each other in the area doesn't seem to have done very many favours for them Beirut was the Paris of the Middle East and still has the potential to be a centre of culture of economy in the Middle East hasn't really worked but Lebanon is not the third world backwater that everyone on social media seems to say it is it has its issues yes but it is not as bad as people say it is it's it's okay they're muddling through it and of course this will change if the civil war does erupt again but they're, they're working through it and they're doing their best so hopefully Everything will turn out all right. Anyway, yeah, I think I'm going to conclude the podcast now. I don't think it was my greatest one yet. I think my Callum one is the best or my Denim one. But very complicated situation. So it's quite difficult for me to explain it but I've done my best I I view my podcast as more as a way for people to go out and inform themselves rather than for me to inform them so maybe this has interested you enough for you to go ahead and read about it and do teach yourself better than I ever could teach you um, but I think I've done an okay job it's admittedly very biased and I apologize for that and I do want to thank my friend Penula who um, gave me a little bit of information about Lebanon and I just asked him for a little bit of help and I do want to thank her for that. I will maybe make a few new episodes in the future but that's it for now. If you have any questions, comments or concerns feel free to DM me on Instagram at Archangeli, R-C-H-N-G-L-I, and I'll make sure to respond to you. Anyway, thank you for listening, and have a blessed rest of your day.